What's going on, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, and I'd like to say thanks so much for stopping by. If this is your first time checking out the show, I would like to say thank you so much again from the bottom of my heart. It really does mean a lot. Um, I hope that this show is uh, informative, educational, uh, entertaining, uh, but also, you know, worth the listen because there is plenty, plenty of content out there. And I don't want to just be making a show for the sake of, you know, hearing my voice play back to me. I want you folks to hold me accountable. I want you folks to call me out when the shit that I'm talking about is just, you know, a replica of something else when the shit that I'm saying is not important to the moment that we're in when the shit that I'm saying uh, is incorrect or, you know, false in its analysis. I want you folks to let me know what topics need to be heard. I want you folks to tell me what voices what people, what guests I need to have on the show. Um, I just, you know, I'm trying to make this show an organizing tool in whatever way I can. So anyways, if this is you coming back, I'm glad that the show was worth the listen. And I hope that this episode, you know, is the same way. Um, So a few things that are on my mind that I really want to cover in this episode, but as per usual, they all are really a continuation of previously existing episodes in that, I mean, we're going to pick up on a lot of the same tangents, we're going to pick up on a lot of the same conversations as we often have on the show, because I'm talking about class struggle. Now... I'm a Marxist, right? And I think that a majority of the time when I think about, you know, recording a podcast or I think about writing a blog or I, you know, go on social media and I think about making a post, there's a few things that go through my mind. First and foremost, how can I say this in a way that isn't a meme? You know what I mean? Like, like, because there's all these, you know, anti-Marxist, anti, you know, ML memes and shit like that about, you know, common conversations that we have with folks who apparently think they, you know, are annoying or don't want to hear about, you know, the class struggle, don't want to hear about exploitation, don't want to hear about, uh, you know, different, different things. Uh, and, um, so that's kind of one thing that pops into my mind. Can I, can I have this conversation in a way that isn't stereotypical, that isn't like, you know, pre-recorded almost, that, uh, will be more genuine, uh, and actually be able to connect with people. The second thing I ask myself before I, you know, go ahead and record or, you know, make a post is, am I able to convey this argument, one, logically, like not just plainly like Marxist logic, but like didactic logic that any person who is working class can follow. Can I, can I convey this, you know, argument or this point, or can I discuss this historical event in a way that's going to frame it in a positive and revolutionary light that will be able to connect with people on a material level, um, and actually inspire them to think differently, to maybe act differently. The third thing I want to do is, you know, is this a post? Is this a uh, recording? Is this an episode that's going to help me in the future build connections or hurt me when I go to build connections? Um, Because I think one of the most annoying things that I and other Marxists do is uh, convey our arguments in a way that is meant, because it, hmm. so if you look at someone like Lenin, right, when he writes his polemics, he writes them hard, he's taking people down with their ideas, now he's doing this not for the sake of, you know, necessarily dragging or dunking on these people, although 
he does a good job of both. He's doing it first and foremost to point out where the you know opportunist or revisionist or just plainly incorrect analysis is originating. Whether it's Martov, Pekanov, Axelrod, Trotsky, Stalin, etc. And the second reason he does it is to show that it can be anyone. Like, here are these people who are militantly and voluntarily organized in a, you know, labor party, in a uh, pro-revolutionary party, and yet they can still come to these incorrect conclusions. So Lenin's trying to give us a playbook. He's trying to say, look, here's all the ways that people have gone wrong before. Here's all the ways in which you yourself can go wrong. Folks like Marx have done that, Engels, etc. Marxists like to write in a way that learns from the past and also is a tool for learning in the future, right? But what that feeds into when we're talking Western society is especially, you know, because of the way social media operates, the way in which it permeates and perpetuates individualism, we kind of take the route of superior, where, you know, some of us can get caught up in our own heads And we go about propagandizing in a very negative light. I've done this myself. You know, I've I've roasted folks on here before. Um, And although it's fun, you know, it's nice for a podcast or whatever. If I'm talking to someone, if I'm in, you know, a conversation with someone, I'm not going to sit there and be a dick to them. Because they don't know this or that about the proletariat. Because they don't know this or that about revolution. Because they don't know this or that because of, of about history. Because these people are intentionally not supposed to know these things. So I think that, you know, a while back there was this trend where folks were saying on social media like... Hey, all you assholes that keep going... Oh, why don't you just go look it up? It's not my job to educate you. It's not my job to educate you. It is most definitely our job to educate people. And I think that a lot of people get it twisted as to why. You know, certainly there are a lot of assholes out there who are Marxists who, like, love to just, like, shit on people. And so educating to them is just kind of, like, domineering. But the goal of education is emancipation. And so, therefore, if we are educating people in a way that does not encourage them, that does not embolden them, that does not want to make them, you know, or make them want to act, then we are doing it wrong. If we are educating people in a way that does not make them want to join hands with us in the fight that we are educating them about, then we're not doing education right. So... I I bring all this up to say that it's difficult having these conversations, especially here in America, because the ideological point in place where the average working class person is, is not only backward in the sense of, you know, a majority of people aren't unionized, majority of people aren't uh, frequently questioning Uh, openly the actions that their local state or federal government is doing. A lot of people are not building uh, oppositional parties or groups. Uh, A lot of people are not developing uh, different education platforms, etc. Now, that's not to say that folks aren't doing that, but that's to say that the, the majority, the average working class person is not engaged in that activity yet. So we have to find a way to get the average person to engage with the idea that things are wrong on a basis not of individual uh, administrative choices or policies, but that things are wrong from a systemic foundational 
basis, meaning that our recognition of the fact that these inequalities and contradictions exist fundamentally within the system that we live in today, then we are recognizing that we cannot continue to live within this system. And if we are recognizing that we cannot continue to live within this system, then we are recognizing that we have to develop a new system. Well, if we're looking forward, we have to make our way out of where we're at now. It's very difficult to imagine that the ways in which the struggle is being led here within the United States, meaning the disconnected, the disorganized, and the kind of divided, not necessarily against each other, but not connected, organizations, parties, groups, you know, etc., they, they don't always seem to have the intention of coming together. And that's a problem. Because if you got a whole system, and by a whole system, I mean the system that dominates 7.8 billion people across the world. If you got this whole system that is predicated on the exploitation of the majority by the minority of people within society, And yet your goal as an organizer is not to bring other organizations into the fold, is not to make uh, solidarity and connections with other, um, you know, activists, with other uh, agitators and stuff like that. If our objective is not to try to build Uh, connection and solidarity with one another then we are going to run into problems now I'm not saying uh, also that what we need to be looking for is leftist unity Um, anarchists and Marxists can work in tandem but do not work together What I mean by that is anarchists and Marxists have principles that are contradictory to one another. However, anarchists are some of the most militant and fucking out there. They are out in the streets. They are out there fighting people. They're getting mutual aid groups organized. They're trying to, you know, build self-defense networks. They're trying to build mass popular education. But the issue is, unfortunately, historically speaking, anarchism has been a politics of despair because it does not imagine a new society being built after the revolution. Its entire conception of what is to come after is an ideal. It's a utopia. And I don't care how many different ways anarchists want to explain it. I don't care how many times anarchists want to levy the same accusation against Marxists. It has been the Marxist tradition to find ways in which to make it out of the current society by using the avenues, the tools, and the actual, uh, you know, kind of means by which we can escape from this society to build the new society. Because once we have a revolution, right, we have to continue building. Because once you overthrow one society, you can't just have barbarism. You can't just have anarchy. There are diseases like the pandemic that are ravaging the world. There is supply shortage. There is production shortage. There is all kinds of issues that cannot be handled in some disorganized, lackadaisical way. We have to be 
conscious here. The means and the structures by which this society has been propped up to this point have developed for the very purpose of propping up this society. Every revolution that has been had prior to the proletarian revolution has led to a further consolidation and concentration of power within the state of the bourgeoisie and has led towards new developments, new procedures, new apparatuses to organize, educate, and mobilize the masses to provide for the people. And we know that what minute and awful examples exist for these intentions are incapable of doing what their very intention supposedly is because first and foremost that is not the intention behind the state under the capitalist system. The state under the bourgeois is a tool by which the minority oppresses the majority. And therefore, we have to understand that certain things have come into existence which can be taken hold of by the majority of people and wielded against its former oppressors. The state itself, as we know it, and conceive of it today only exists under a certain contextual uh, uh, circumstance, meaning under capitalism and under bourgeois rule. However, what we conceptualize as the state ceases to exist under a revolutionary proletarian context because, again, The state is a tool for the repression of the majority by the minority. It is an organized tool of violence for the oppression of one class by another. But it developed as it did because of the circumstances. And I feel like I'm not able to say what I really mean. The only reason the state is what it is today is because of how it developed. It developed in a way where the minority of a society was trying to oppress the majority. So if we don't do that, if we're not trying to do that, if we're trying to have the majority of people in control, the state apparatus as it exists serves no purpose for us. We are not oppressing the majority. We are not trying to take power and control from the masses. We are trying to give it to them. So therefore, whatever apparatus, whatever tools, whatever system that we conceive and try to develop in order to do that is not the state as we know it today. It just is not. Regardless of your conception or your understanding of what the state is, it has been proven both theoretically and practically in action in countries across the world that when the majority takes hold of power, it ceases to be a state as we know it. And it goes on rather than being a government of people intending to govern over people, it becomes a government of administration of things. Now, instead of having, you know, these representatives to decide for these millions of people what they want and dominate and dictate over their own interests, now it's the majority of people in different positions of power trying to, you know, build a constituency, trying to develop legislation, trying to interview people, trying to hear in tribunals, trying to, you know, develop new forms of government, etc., But it's not going to be one person or, you know, five to ten people dominating over a locality of 50 to 100,000. It's going to be the 50 to 100,000 finding ways in which they all can participate within that administration to develop out of the old society into the new. 
That is socialism. That is the first stage of communism. That is when the masses take hold of state power, smashing, abolishing, destroying, exploding the old state machinery, and from its ashes developing a new, a new society, a new way of ruling over the oppressors and the exploiters who up until that point have gone on ruling as exploiters and oppressors. So if your sympathies lie with these people because you yourself disagree with the structure of a state as it is today, you are not understanding the full picture. You are not taking a concrete analysis of concrete conditions. You are standing with the bourgeoisie. And now, again, this is not because I personally have a disinterest in anarchism. This is what I have learned through my studies. You don't, you don't agree with me? Go on and, you know, try to, you know, learn for yourself. I don't care. Go, go organize, yo. Go do some shit. Um, you don't need to listen to this podcast. I do this so I don't go crazy. You don't have to listen to this. Um, But if we look at Marxists and what they have done historically, they time and time again center around the idea of developing a party. They time and time again center around developing some form of, you know, apparatus which brings people together and tries to hone in on their skills, tries to advance their education tries to politicize and socialize them and tries to also get them to organize, to propagandize, to educate, to agitate to others to bring them into the mold. So this is because Marxists know that This has been the way in which people have taken power time and time again throughout society, whether it was the slaves, whether it was the feudal lords, whether it was the kings and the queens, whether it was the armies who took power from the kings and the queens, whether it was the capitalists, the colonizers, the imperialists, the banks, the corporations, right? They have taken power by becoming organized, by pushing a platform and a political line by trying to expand, agitate, propagandize, and organize within every single realm and sphere within society that they themselves feel will be sympathetic to their ideals. <coughs> and then once it, you know, is able to form itself into something that it thinks is worth a shit, <coughs> it tries to take state power. Or it tries to you know, uh, change culture. It tries to form a new society. It doesn't always try to take state power, but it'll try to change things through the medium that it has created. Well, a communist party develops as it does because all the people in that party are normally already aligned not only on what's wrong, Not only on what needs to be solved and how it needs to be solved, but who's going to do it and how they're going to get to the position of power to do it. That's quite a unity. The majority of us don't even agree between presidential candidates. To be within a communist party, you agree that the only way out is revolution if you're in a true revolutionary communist party. And what that means is that what your party is doing is trying to build the forces capable of waging a revolution. We do this through class struggle. Class struggle is an ongoing fight for liberation, for freedom. Class struggle is the Bessemer, Alabama, Amazon facility fighting tooth and nail for the legal opportunity to hold their union vote once again because Amazon meddled in their attempts to unionize far too much 
for the state to go on defending them as they did. So now, through a constant struggle, through constant organizing and battle, the workers in Bessemer, Alabama, have forced the state to consolidate and conform to their wishes through their unending battle for workers' rights. That is class struggle. Class struggle is also the ongoing fight against police brutality. Class struggle is also the ongoing fight to end the ICE detention centers, to end immigration detention altogether. Class struggle is the fight to abolish private prisons. Class struggle is the fight to take local, state, and federal political power out of the hands of the wealthy, ruling, elite class and placing it into the hands of the working people themselves. And I think we have some perfect examples today, although people discredit them. They spend so much time saying, uh, you know, is Vietnam socialist? Is China socialist? Is Venezuela and Bolivia and Nicaragua and Cuba, are they socialist? Will you answer me this? Who does the capitalist countries spend all of their time pushing anti-communist propaganda against who do the capitalist countries spend all of their money trying to encircle trying to corner trying to blockade trying to sanction trying to out produce trying to you know uh dictate over what groups again do the capitalist bourgeois societies constantly war over the domination for. And now, let me ask you this. What type of system is capable of fighting capitalism to such an extent? What type of system is antithetical to the capitalist mode of production and would cause such an outrage as do countries like Cuba, like Nicaragua, like Venezuela and China. If you yourself in the United States or wherever you are feel that you know more about socialism than these countries, then my friend, what the hell are you doing? Start leading the movement. Obviously, you know what you're doing. Come on, get up off your ass. You know socialism. Go teach the people. What are you doing? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know socialism. Go have a revolution. Go overthrow your bourgeoisie. You know socialism. You know it better than them. Go tell them. Go get over there and you, you do their revolution for them because you're the hero, right? Get my point? And also in connecting to our overall point, it's all a part of the class struggle. If you go back, like, okay, because here's the thing. The majority of people who are going to do shit like that, who are going to say, no, these countries are not socialist, right? They don't always, you know, mean harm. The majority of people who are saying shit like that, like, you know, a lot of my Maoist homies, uh, they have an understanding of Marxism that very few of us have. Because they have dedicated so much of their time to a concrete understanding of the scientific nature of revolution, which is incredibly important and will play a massive role here in the United States with groups like For the People, right? But the issue is... You know, the places where we normally see or hear these conversations, YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, (laughs) you know, Instagram, Twitter, etc. These are apps that are owned 
by the ruling class. And these are the places where we are having these incredible discussions. What are they going to lead to? Will these discussions change the fact that China does things that we might not like? Do these discussions lead to revolutionary organization themselves? I ask you this. I will not answer. On top of that, a lot of the people who are able to dedicate their time to these discussions are not always capable of organizing themselves. And therefore, as is their want, because they are not organizing for whatever reason, you know, I know, I know some homies, right, who have genuine social anxiety. I've talked about it on the show before for myself, you know, with COVID and everything like that. It's terrifying. And people have, you know, jobs, they have families, they have responsibilities. People have reasons as to why they are not organized at this very moment. But I think if you yourself, and I think this is like a really important thing that needs to be talked about. If you yourself can find more time to give entire theses on Facebook about why Kim Il-sung II or fucking, you know, uh, Mao felt this particular way about this particular struggle, then you need to take that knowledge outside. You need to take that expertise into places where it can make material change because these avenues are set up as a distraction. TikTok is a spectacle. Facebook is a spectacle. Social media is a spectacle. It's a tool in our toolkit, but ultimately it is a spectacle. If you look at Twitter, if you look at Instagram, if you look at Facebook, time and time again, we find people who have nothing but time on their hands to argue. And they're not arguing with people who are going to take that knowledge and act upon it. This is a huge problem, and it is a majority of what the left spends its time doing. And it is not even doing it in the context of organization where these conversations will lead to each group acting better, improving on their expertise, and growing. I cannot even... I can't even speak on this in the sense that I'm still trying to get organized myself and I have these conversations and I indulge in this. But like... That's why I'm pointing it out, because I know that if I can spend all my time reading, if I can spend all my time learning, if I can spend all my time recording a podcast, eventually, once I get to a point where I can organize, once I get in contact with a group or can, or, you know, fit my schedule where I can get out on the streets and get talking with more people than I am now, I'm going to do it. Not because I say so, because what else are we going to do? Not because I think I'm so great, but because I really am, I'm no one. I'm a, I am a working class person within the United States, a country of 345 million people in a planet of 7.8 billion people. I am no one. I do not exist. I am It is so unimportant that you listen to this podcast. It is so unimportant that I, Josh, have these conversations. But it is so important that if we believe that the world is going to change, if we believe that it must, then we have to act upon making that change. Once we have educated ourselves to a certain point where we understand why things are happening the way that they are, we have two very clear and distinct 
sides which we can take. We can do something or we can do nothing. I applaud every person that understands Marxism to the depths that some people really do. I am dumbfounded by the historical, the philosophical, the economic, and the class struggle, historical knowledge that people are able to absorb. I read all the time and I still find myself having to go back and reread because it doesn't sink in. But again, if all that you feel is important to do is use that in a negative light, then you are helping no one, not even yourself, because the world continues as it is today. But if each one of us who took the time to study these things, if each one of us who had the great and incredible historical knowledge that some people who make content really have, if we all were able to play a role just like this one of mass education, of mass study, if we were able to do that within a revolutionary organization, we could be changing the world. And that is our overall goal. So why are we not doing it? If you have your reasons, awesome. I'm not coming for you. Don't get offended. If you have legitimate cause for not being able to organize, there is no reason for you to get upset with what I am saying. If you are getting upset with what I am saying, it is because you know that you are not taking the opportunities that are lying ahead of you to even so much as join a community fridge. That's one thing that I'm able to do. I am able once a week on Fridays to take the money that is donated to the organization which I help out to go to Aldi to spend $100 on water, bread, fruit, vegetables, and meat, and then put it in a fridge. And then in doing so, last night, I fill it up on Fridays. Last night, I went over to the fridge and I talked to five people. That's five people I was able to have conversations with because I, once a week, fill a community fridge. Whatever it is, I promise you, it will not always be a problem. Whatever issues lie ahead of you in being able to organize, you will overcome. Because it is your want to overcome them. I'm not trying to condemn or, you know, get down on anybody who has depression, who has anxiety, who has PTSD, who has disabilities, who has a real inability to get out and organize. My heart goes out to you because I'm there with you. I work fucking six days a week from nine until 530. I record this podcast while driving to work. We can do it, y'all. And the more of us who take what little opportunities we do have, the less of a burden each individual within that organization, within that struggle, needs to take upon themselves. We need rank and file. We need average people. We need working class folks. We need the masses. You are the masses. So be the masses. Join your local organization. Tell them straight up, I am very busy. But when y'all have rallies, I want to make signs. When y'all go out and want to reach out to organizations to try to get support, I will reach out for you. I will send emails. That's something that I do. We can do it, y'all. We really can. Because look at these fucking assholes who don't even want to do it are doing it right now. These fucking bourgeois dickheads, they don't give a fuck about these administrative roles. They don't want to have to be finding these contracts to sign off with these private corporations. They just want to kill you and they want to get the money from the private corporation for doing it. But they got to go through the rigmarole. They got to go through the courts. They got to write the bills. They got to pass the legislation. You think the Supreme Court wants to time and time again have to try for abortion rights to take your abortion rights away? 
No, they want to be able to say in one fell swoop, you cannot get an abortion because then they run out of workers. Then they run out of taxpayers. Then they run out of bodies for military. Then they run out of pilots for drones. They want to be able to just say to you, you will not get an abortion. But you know why they can't? Because incredibly revolutionary men, women, trans folks, and others in this country and across the world have literally killed people, have taken the steps towards, you know, true resistance, have gone to the lengths that they needed to go to at the time to defend themselves, to defend their bodies, to defend their human right, to decide how they want to live. Within the society we live in, we have a ruling class that wants to dominate whether you can or cannot have a child. If you want to know why they have to take it to trial, it's because people have fought. People have struggled. They have waged a class struggle. And they continue to do so today in Poland. They continue to do so today in Mexico. They continue to do so today here in the United States, in Canada, in countries all over the world. But just you remember... That while we are waging these struggles here, this nation is doing the same across the world. It is committing mass hysterectomies on immigrants. It is committing mass sterilization on colonized people and has been for generations. If we want to stop that, we know that the class struggle leads to one thing, and that is a key and principal contradiction which leads to revolution. Our only option is revolution. Y'all got me walking in late to work and shit. Anyways, um, you know, I've been, uh, I just uh, started a little reading group with a few of my comrades in the local area and some homies that I met across, uh, you know, kind of different platforms, uh, but mostly through podcasting. Uh, Shout out homie Ramiro, shout out um, homie Andres, shout out, uh, homie, uh, Libre, comrade Libre Sankara from Troika Collective. Um, <clears throat> these are all awesome folks and just a few of the, uh, you know, homies who I've been able to meet and be able to, uh, you know, learn from, been able to, uh, try to do podcasts with and other things, you know, um, so this has been really cool. Um, and, and I'm, uh, we're going to be doing Blood in My Eyes by George Jackson. Uh, If you folks don't know who George Jackson was, he was the field marshal of the Black Panther Party. He was uh, arrested in, uh, I want to say California. Jeez, (laughs) here I am. If you want to know who George Jackson is, can't remember anything about George Jackson. Anyways, he was arrested on some bullshit, trumped up charges as many black, brown, and indigenous people are here in the United States. That is one of the many reasons why the International Tribunal of Human Rights Abuses Against Black, Brown, and Indigenous People um, was able to get a guilty verdict from an international tribunal recently to charge the United States with genocide. Continuing, again, here, here again is an example of the class struggle being a process, being a continuous growth being a revolutionary push forward. Um, Continuing the efforts that Malcolm X and uh, others like W.E.B. Du Bois and James Baldwin and plenty of other organizers, activists, Paul Robeson, um, who tried to go to different international courts such as the United Nations and charge the United States with genocide as did the American Indian Movement, as well as plenty of other uh, indigenous-led organizations. So, in kind of saying all this, I've been been really trying to take a, a different approach as to what I've really been focusing on lately. Um, so, you know, I read a lot of Lenin, I read a lot of Marx, I read a lot of Mao, um, mostly because uh, this time 
about a, two years ago in uh, 2019, I decided that uh, I was going to be like dedicated to learning Marxism because I felt that in doing so, it would start me off from at least having a better framework, a better way of looking at the world than I did previously. <clears throat> and I felt that this was the thing that a lot of people were pushing me towards. So I was going to show them that I could do it, to be honest. But I also have really been trying to expand out of that to learn about other things because, you know, obviously that's the goal. We're waging a class struggle. We want to fight for black liberation. We want to fight for trans liberation. We want to fight for an end to colonialization and imperialism. We want to fight for an end to racism. Um, we, we have a lot that we're struggling for. And so in order to do so, we have to learn about these things. We have to <clears throat> also and especially participate in uh, practical attempts to uh, accomplish our goals, I guess I would say. Um, and so, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been learning more and more about the private prison system. I actually uh, took some classes in college uh, where I had like this libertarian uh, dude who was my teacher who like uh, made us watch this documentary on private prisons. And oddly enough, he was like a criminology student himself. Like he worked at the state corrections facility and he was trying to go at it from an angle of like, oh yeah, we're doing prisons, but like, you know, humanely, which is, you know, uh, oxymoron. But anyways, um, so I'm trying to learn about private prisons, of course, because of George Jackson. I'm also trying to learn about you know, kind of the way in which uh, racism, slavery, colonization, etc., were fundamental to capitalism's expansion at a depth where I can really explain it to anyone. Because obviously I know, just speaking factually, that, 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 that is true. Like, that happened. But I don't have all the historical knowledge. I don't have, you know, the best words, uh, nor the experience trying to explain these things to people. So I'm trying to really, really learn to a depth that will help me to be able to not only just have these conversations, but also know what to do. Because that's, that's kind of like the other thing is I, I've, I've hit a point where I've recorded a lot of podcasts. I've written quite a few blogs. I've read a decent amount of books. I have talked to quite a few people. The only thing left on my list that I keep telling you folks to do, because we all got to do it together. We all got to be encouraging one another. We all got to be calling each other out and holding each other accountable. I have not been able to join a revolutionary organization yet. And this is one of the most important things, because when you're in that space, when you are connected in that sameness, you are able to dedicate your time and your energy in ways that many of us have no experience for, directly towards waging a class struggle, towards learning more about it, towards developing different strategies, towards you know, expanding your experience by going into different communities and helping different types of people by learning how you can assist, you know, different neighborhoods by learning how you can develop, you know, certain strategies to get food into difficult areas, you know, like trying to go area by area and actually grow a relationship with these people actually learn about their struggles like they do in China, like they do in Nicaragua, like they do in Cuba. If you look at countries like this, they are actually going door by door, dude, and fucking helping people. We want to do that, right? So if we want to do it, who's going to help us better 
than a fucking revolutionary organization. Do you think we're actually going to be able to do this at a grassroots level all by ourselves with no experience, each one of us in our local area with no help, with no assistance, with no central organization, with no, you know, connectivity or unity whatsoever? You really think that we would be able to build all of these semi-autonomous organizations in areas that will then just be able to live in harmony with one another? No. There are contradictions which exist under capitalism. There is racism. There is transphobia. There is class you know, struggle. There is poor people. There is rich people. There are people who eat tonight and people who don't. There are people who sleep in homes tonight and people who don't. Just because we are able to organize some of those people into a party doesn't mean we've changed the world. And just because we're able to start a little mutual aid network doesn't mean that we're going to lead towards revolution. We have a lot to work on, folks. But at the end of the day, who's going to do it better than an organized communist party? Who's going to do it better than a group of millions of people across the nation who are all united and same in their want, in their will, in their ability, and in their action to struggle for a new world. I think we know the answer to our problems that we are facing in the West. I think we know the answer to the struggles that continue in places like Bolivia and in Cuba. I think we know the answer to global climate crisis. And I think we know the answer to capitalism. It's revolution. And to be honest with you folks, that means a lot more than I have the expertise to explain. But we all know that this system cannot continue. We all know that there are billions of lives at stake. Children who will not eat, who will not have clean air to breathe. Water that ceases to be drinkable. In Hawaii, they just announced on live TV that I forget which region, but there are people who no longer can drink water. And the uh, the individual who was on live TV, I, again, can't remember the area or the person's name, but they were crying because jet fuel leaked into their main water supply. And people had to go get tested to make sure that they were not going to be sick. Crying, telling Hundreds of thousands of people, you do not have water to drink anymore. That is the world that awaits us if we do nothing. That is the world that awaits us if we do not wage the class struggle. Not because it's some beautiful, romantic, revolutionary idea that Marxists from long before have thought of. And, oh, geez, we have to stay true. No, that romanticization shit, it's nice on social media. And it's nice to talk to your comrades about that shit. We need this shit because people are dying. We need this shit right now because people all across the world are dying. And the earth is one of them. The earth is one of those billions that is watching its life be sucked away. Folks, I, you know, I, I gotta say, it's incredible incredible to know all of this right to see the way the world actually is and then to see two very distinct and contradictory realities one the reality that exists here where i live in the united states the individualism the selfishness the consumerism the capitalist exploitation. But that very same capitalist exploitation exists all across the world. And if you look at the difference between the way the people in the West 
are trying to fight for their freedom. And if you look at the way in which the people of the global south are rising up and demanding through action a new reality, you know that the time for this bourgeois capitalist society to end has come. And you know what we need to do. One last thing I will say before I go is that I personally would like to talk to you. I would like to talk to organizations you know about. I would like to speak to podcasters and other content creators that you listen to. I would like to know about international organizations or struggles or histories that you know about. I want to learn. I want to get organized. I want to talk to people across the world. I made a homie in Brazil. He came on the show. I made a homie in Venezuela. He taught me so much about the elections, about the revolution. He even wrote a book about it because he participated in it that I'm trying to translate out of Spanish. I do not speak Spanish. (laughs) So if you folks want to get organized and you don't know how, If you folks want to tune in, want to get connected, help me do the same. Let's talk. Let's build a relationship. Let's learn about, you know, the history of the struggles. Let's learn about the organizations that exist near us and hold each other accountable to go join them, to go participate. Let's meet up with each other. Let's talk. Let's have real revolutionary conversations in a way that's going to make material change. Let's have each other build organizations, reading groups, student groups, tenant unions. Let's show each other how to organize our workplace. Let's show each other how to give encouragement and revolutionary hope to those who really need it. Because listen, after talking about those things with you that I've talked about on this podcast, after learning about the things that I learned about, After hearing about the realities and the horrors that exist across the world, we need hope. And there is hope. Hope can be found in the very same people who are being oppressed in the way that the masses are in the global south. Because those very same people are the ones who are joining and building organizations. They are the very same ones who are developing food security. Those are the very same ones who are able to come together and fight military dictatorships, overthrow, uh, you know, uh, U.S. coups, and uh, the ones, these are people that are able to build societies unlike any that you or I have ever seen, and the only way that we will ever see them is by building them here ourselves. If we want socialism, if we want a new world, we have to go on building it today. We have to build organs of power that are capable of leading the charge and actually developing the change that is needed. Because listen, no average person is just plainly and simply aware of all of the things we just talked about. We know this. So we need people who are, who are confident, who are experienced, who are ready, and who are organized to go out and start making this reality or making this uh, revolutionary hope a reality so go do it folks if you're still listening to this thank you so very much i appreciate it um if you'd like to reach out you can find me on social media dm me there instagram facebook twitter tiktok uh at in defense of liberation and then you can also reach out to me by email uh, it is in defense of liberation at gmail.com, no caps or spaces. Um, and again, please, folks, I think that one of the most important things that any of us can be doing today is be turning our education into action. Um, it's hard. It's, it's not meant to be easy. There's a lot of different reasons why many of us can't just jump right in, and that's okay. But dip your toe in. Stick your hand in. Swirl the water around a little bit. However you can get involved, get involved. And if you're going to let someone like me clown on you and say you're not doing enough, if you're going to take offense to that, well, then who the fuck cares what I have to say? If you know, if you know that you're doing what you can be doing, 
be confident in that comrade because at the end of the day it takes you me and a million more to do what we're going for so let's get involved let's get organized and let's get building a revolution yeah thanks for listening so much love you all stay safe stay healthy um if you need any help during these holidays if you are suffering from houselessness if you are suffering from depression if you are suffering from anxiety from being away from home please reach out i will try to help however i can no promises um but i I, you know there are organizations and people that i am beginning to grow relationships with and uh depending on where you are i might know some people and if i don't they might know some people you know the people i know might know some people so stay safe y'all i love you all again stay revolutionary um and until next time peace